0: As a writer there's a phrase sit in the chair which just means like show up every day like if if you're trying to write a book sit in front of your computer with your phone off don't don't go on facebook just have an empty word document that even if you sit there for an hour and stare at a blank page on your computer you've done your job for the day if you if you can create works when you're not in the best mood or if you don't feel super motivated, if you learn the art of sitting down and creating stuff when you're when you don't feel inspired, that's when the magic happens. I study the, of the universe. What is what is Be
1: every single day. <laughs> Hey there and welcome to another episode of the Think Grow podcast where personal development meets real life. I'm your host Ruben Chavez and I explore a variety of topics with thought leaders, artists, creators of all kinds, scientists and other interesting people with the goal to bring you different perspectives you can use to enrich your mind and improve your life in whatever way you see fit. If you're a writer, a musician, or in any kind of creative field like that, I think you're going to find a lot of value in this episode. I've shared the writings of today's guest many times on my Instagram page, Think, Grow, Prosper. Um, His name is Marcus Almond. You might not recognize the name, but there's a good chance you've seen a quote from his books on my page or on someone else's page or somewhere else out there on the internet. They're very shareable, Instagram-worthy quotes and writings. Marcus is the author of the book Motivational Quotes to Get the Blood Moving, which is basically a collection of notes that he wrote to himself to help guide him in different areas of his life, but of course, they can apply to many people and many different situations. I certainly resonate with a lot of what he writes. And actually, I came across this book in a bookstore in Brooklyn one day when Vanessa and I were visiting New York, and ever since then, I've wanted to sit down and pick his brain, and in this episode, I get to do that. So a little background on Marcus, he started his career in the music industry as a songwriter with many of his songs played on MTV, the E! Network and other television shows. Then after moving to New York, he transitioned into writing books and poetry and kind of got away from the musician lifestyle. And what I find really cool about his story is that some of his earlier self-published works were shared by really influential people, popular artists like Travis Barker from Blink 182 um, Rob Dyrdek from MTV's Fantasy Factory, and the author of one of my favorite books, The War of Art, Stephen Pressfield, and, and other influential people. So I actually asked him about this in our interview, like how he connected with these people, and how he was able to persuade them, essentially, to share his work on their platforms. So after Marcus's success in the music industry, and then later on as a published author, he began teaching some of these principles that he learned along the way to other songwriters and other authors. And so part of what he does today is he runs a mentorship program for songwriters and authors of all genres. One of Marcus's deeply held beliefs is that success in any creative field can be replicated no matter where a person is starting from. And I really love that. And that's really the underlying theme of the majority of our conversation today. So I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. And now, here's Marcus. Marcus, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm super excited to be here. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Well, it's kind of an interesting story of how I came across your work. I was uh, in a random bookstore in Brooklyn. You know, uh, Vanessa and I, my, my wife, we went to... Uh, New York for I think I was going to be on a podcast actually and we were up there just hanging around and I just we moseyed into a well first a coffee shop it was called Toby's Toby's Estate I think and there was a oh, book cool. yeah so you're probably familiar I'm sure and and so there was a bookstore right next door and uh, or close by and your book kind of jumped out at me it was the motivational quotes to get the blood moving and I just leafed nice. through it and didn't need more than a few seconds to realize I wanted to purchase it and. Now, flash forward to uh, that was you know must have been two years ago. Now, flash forward to now, I'm I'm speaking with you. So, oh, cool. that's so cool. <laughs> and, and actually, I want to talk about your your book and your writing um, a little <laughs> bit more. But first, I want to ask you about your you know you didn't start out um, writing books. I, I I don't think I think you started out as a songwriter.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I never I never actually thought I would be a published author. Like that was never part of the plan. I always wanted to be a musician. So I, I started pretty young, like at the age of nine, I started playing drums and got like some rock bands together and stuff like that. And then eventually moved over to like the the songwriter side of things and, and did that for a while. I, I think I was doing that for o- over 10 years and I was, uh, mm. I did all right. Like I was able to get, I got 60 different licenses to different television shows. So I was able to license some of the songs I wrote and, and get some income that way. And um I just really love music, so I've been doing it a long time.
1: That's awesome. And so I understand you have you know, you license some songs that play on you know, MTV and e network and other shows. Is there maybe any songs that people listening might recognize or or, or know about?
0: I don't think so. We were like a, it was more of like a punk band, so oh, okay. it was nothing nothing like major pop hits or anything like that, but it's sort of just like, you know, they're short segments in different shows.
1: <laughs> oh, okay, cool. And and so that's where you kind of started. And about how long did you did you do the, the songwriting for?
0: It was about 11 years, I believe. And then my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, got a job in New York. And um, we decided to move out here. So that, that's sort of when I gave up music a little bit and um, just on a whim started writing stuff down. And that's pretty much where my, my zine got started as soon as we moved to New York.
1: Yeah. So I wanted to ask you about that. And like, how did your, if at all, songwriting career um, influence your kind of book writing career? And and how did that transition happen?
0: Sure. Yeah. So I mean, by the time I moved to New York, I was pretty comfortable with leaving the sort of, not music industry totally, but like the, the part where I was like out late at shows and like waiting until 3am to play or to get paid and stuff like that. And I was getting older and ready to sort of end that chapter of my life. So one thing I consciously wanted to do was sort of create a disconnect. So those, so I wasn't like I was reaching the same people. So I basically started from scratch mm-hmm. and um, Marcus Allman is actually like a variation of my, my first and middle name. So I, I picked like a pen name for my first publication. So literally i didn't share it with any family or friends or anyone i knew i just put it out there and um was able to build a following without without building on my music career which i'm i'm actually pretty proud of that fact because it, yeah. it wasn't like i was using one outlet to sort of branch off and do something new it was like totally starting from scratch so When I was getting traction and having some good results, I knew it was because the work was there and it wasn't based on, like, how many people were already on my mailing list and stuff like that. Yeah, that's, that's um, I guess, brave of you
1: to do because a lot of people think that, you know, if they have an existing platform already, then Mm -hmm. they want to leverage that for, you know, to build there are other projects, but you kind of, you kind of abandoned your other platform. And so the reasons sure. for that was, was because you just kind of wanted to speak to a different audience.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, when I was younger, I was sort of like, uh, you know, punk rock and a little bit like self-destructive and like partying and stuff like that. So I kind of want to put a lot of that behind me and just yeah. focus on like positive vibes and like, self-development type of aspect to, to what I write and things like that. So it was definitely a different different vibe and different audience.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm curious about that because especially now that you describe your music as maybe, you know, a little bit destructive or party vibes, whatever, mm-hmm. and then you move into now, you know, writing books like like the one I mentioned, Motivational Quotes to Get the Blood Moving. And these are things that I've shared on my Instagram page, Thing Grow Prosper, right? Many times, actually. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. And, you know, these are positive ideas and concepts that you talk about. I'm just wondering what in your mind kind of switched where you're like, oh, you know, I want to kind of leave this kind of destructive message and start to
0: write about different things. I'm not sure what it was. I mean, the first zine I ever published was like, it was honestly just thoughts I wrote down for myself mm. and things I wanted to remember and techniques I used to stay focused just like anyone else I struggle with motivation and like you know keeping focus and reaching goals and all that stuff so when I first started writing it was it was honestly just stuff for myself that I wanted to remember and I, I don't know if you if you know a lot about um, zine culture but like it's sort of started in the music industry where like kids would make handmade zines and stuff and pass them out at shows. Sorry to interrupt. For for people who don't no, sure.
1: listening who don't know, what exactly
0: is a zine? A zine usually is a self-published pamphlet or booklet, um, sort of like a chat book, but it can really like the content inside varies greatly. You can really make a zine about anything. It's short for magazine, but um, it, it sort of started in the music industry where like Bands would publish their own publication or fans would create a fanzine and interview bands and sell them at shows. And it's very, very underground, like small scale publications. Yeah. Um, but there's something really cool about it, too, because like a lot of them are, are handmade, limited edition, that sort of thing. So if you can if you, if you are a fan of a zine, so like it, it's really fun to like collect them or like when you find them, it's really rare. So and it's basically honestly, it's sort of like a blog before the Internet. Uh, like like an analog blog yeah yeah Yeah. exactly
1: no i'm holding your zine right now the the newest uh, issue of brooklyn to mars and it's really cool it's it's i mean it's fun to have these physical artifacts in our digital Mm -hmm. world and you know you can just feel that it's you know it's handcrafted and it's just it's a fun little thing to, to flip through and i actually want to get to to that in a little bit sure. um, so you said something interesting that you started writing just notes to yourself you know these were things you wanted to keep in mind and i totally relate i mean thing grow prosper started in the same way and i mm. over the years i mean I'm, I'm working on a book right now too um which nice. has its roots in the same kind of idea like notes to myself and things that i need to remember um and so i think it's really valuable in fact that book, I keep referring to this motivational quotes to get the blood moving, the book that that I was introduced to you through. And mm-hmm. it reminds me very much of – are you familiar with Marcus Aurelius and his Meditations book? No, I don't know that book. He's a stoic philosopher and he was the um, Roman emperor, you know, one of the most powerful men in the world at the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And – he had this private journal. To, it was never intended for publication. He was just kind of writing notes to himself and you know sure. about how to you know how to deal with irritating people and um and how to deal with wealth and oh, the wow. trappings that come with it and, and, and all that's all this stuff. But it turns out that it's rooted in principles that are very practical today. And so, it's it's a pretty sure. popular book among philosophy nerds and, and people who are interested in that kind of stuff. But anyway, it's a cool book. But your that's your amazing. book reminded me a lot of that. And I think that's really interesting, especially since you haven't read it, because it's just like these notes to yourself. And mm-hmm. But you can tell that they're very meaningful to you. And you, you get that when, sure. when you read it. Um, I also feel like this is a kind of a funny way to phrase it, I guess, but when I read your writing, it's it, it's kind of like I'm getting advice from a wise and firm parental figure of sorts oh, well. <laughs> who's not um kind of afraid of telling me the hard truth. So it's written in in that kind of a fashion too, and I, I love that. I think I think that um the format and the way that you write is very easily digestible. And, and it's not these elaborate Um, ideas or complex things that you need to like really like your, Mm -hmm. your chapter, you know, one idea is on one page. And I love that. I think it's, I think it's a very easily digestible way to, to read.
0: Thank you, man. I appreciate that.
1: Yeah. There's a really, really cool quote in your recent issue of Brooklyn to Mars, issue number 12 that I love. And I want to talk more about this, this zine actually, because a, a main theme of it is, Kind of following your intuition mm-hmm. and i want to talk about m- more why you think that's important but there's this awesome quote that i found Oh, here it is it's if you didn't need a job anymore what productive thing would you be doing with your life I, the key word there is productive because mm-hmm. that question is actually it's posed in a number of different ways
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know often it's like oh if you didn't need to work what would you be doing or if you had all the money in the world how would you spend your time? And those aren't that helpful because, you know, people's brains go to, Oh, well, I watch TV and, you know, they, (laughs) they go to like the, the things that they use as distractions now from what they don't like doing. Right. But the idea Mm -hmm. is, I I like how you phrased it. What productive thing would you be doing with your life? And um, that's really helpful. Is, Is that a question that you've asked yourself at any point in your career?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, well, for one, the word productive is, is definitely there intentionally. I think, I think, like you said, the inexperienced person sort of just goes to the, you know, what would make them happy in that moment, like watching TV or, you know, eating ice cream or whatever. But like, as you sort of go down that path and get more freedom, you realize that the the greatest reward comes from helping people and being productive in society and like growing, you know with even spiritually and like what you're able to do with your, your skills and talents, So I think the word productive is super important because it's more of a long-term view. Um, but yeah, I ask myself that all the time. And, and like, I think, and this goes back to intuition as well as like, sometimes our intuition pulls us in a, in a, in a direction that we're not sure about or that we don't know what it looks like. Even when common sense says, oh, I should take that other job, you know, maybe it's it, it's more hours, but it pays more and, and money's important. You know, so I think a lot of us sort of shy away from our intuition too often, where if we were brave enough to follow it more, um, it may lead us to just amazing, amazing things that we could couldn't even dream of. If we if we went down the logical path, sometimes we have to have a, a leap of faith.
1: Yeah, I I agree with that. I think intuition is a powerful tool. Is there an example from your life that you know of you following your intuition where maybe it, on on paper it seemed
0: like a crazy move? Uh, sure. Yeah, I've done that many times. Just the the first thing that came into mind was um, I was so I was in a touring band. We were in the recording studio and. I was working at a bookstore, which doesn't pay that well, but it was super flexible hours, and they allowed me to go on tour and stuff like that, which is super important to me at the time. But I was also struggling, this is before we were working with a record label or, or had any consistent source of income for the band, and I was struggling to find money to pay for the recording time, and so I went to apply for other jobs that paid well. And um, I was applying for this management position, which was decent money, but it was also a lot more hours and I was I wouldn't have been able to like, you know, go on tour and play shows and stuff like that. So it was it made sense to to take the job and, you know, increase the amount of income I was able to take home. But my intuition was just like, this is not right. And I actually <laughs> apologized and walked out during the interview. I was like, yeah, this, <laughs> this is not a good fit. So I appreciate your time and I'll see you later. But I mean, I, I <laughs> that's happened. It, especially when I was younger, just like leaving jobs that, that didn't make sense, even though I didn't know what I was going to do and that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, I've, I've been there too. What about the the people who might say your intuition can mislead you sometimes, you know, following your heart, you know, is, is a little wishy-washy. Like that's got, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people are, are jaded, I guess, um, yeah. or, or, or can be. You come from a place of, well, you know, I've followed my heart before and it led me astray you know, how do you, sure. what do you say to them and and how do you balance that with maybe more practical thinking?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's absolutely true, especially if you've never really done it or you're not completely in tune with, with that, with your intuition and that sort of thing. Like, but the more often you do it and the more often you're honest with yourself and what you really want, what feels right, then you can sort of decipher your own mistakes and realize like, you know, how to deal with that and how to keep that balance of, being smart about what you're doing, but also, you know, uh, honestly going for what you really want to do with your life. I guess.
1: How do you cultivate intuition? Is that something that you that you've had experience with cultivating? Do you think it can be cultivated? Is it just a matter of kind of using it and and following it, and then kind of seeing
0: the results and engaging that? For for me, I'd say it's it's a strange thing because it's almost it's a non thinking muscle, like it's not mm-hmm. a thought in your head. So yeah. for me, it's like things like meditation and exercise and listening to music, and things where I'm very present in my body, or even going for walks and things like that. It's like, a lot of times, I'll, like, well, not a lot of times, but once in a while, when I'm off balance, and I feel like I'm like, in a bad mood or irritable or something, I'll realize that like, I'm out of sync with my intuition, like I'm not I'm working on projects that I feel like I have to do rather than I want to do. So sometimes it can be as simple as like going to the gym for an hour or meditating before I do any work in the morning. And then you're just sort of in rhythm with your natural tendencies, which I think is super helpful.
1: That makes sense. I, w- I want to talk a little bit more about your your writing and mm-hmm. and that portion of your career. Was there a particular event or uh, or something that happened to you? Like a, maybe a challenge you were dealing with that compelled you to start writing notes to yourself and start kind of going down the self-development path as opposed sure. to, you know, the, the music path?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, well, the first issue of Brooklyn to Mars, which was, was the first thing I ever published, it, it honestly happened on a whim. Like I was, um, I was trying to launch this music publishing company. Um, so I was using my own music and then working with other bands to do music publishing, which is, you know, there are so many different, different areas to that. I won't, I won't go into that, but basically I was trying to build a business from scratch. And at the same time, you know, like coming face to face with a lot of those challenges, um, that was something I was experiencing for the first time. So the, uh, that's when I basically started writing a lot of the self-development stuff was just getting getting that stuff out of my head and on paper so that I can reference it and remember like how to stay focused and stay motivated. So that's what I did. I, I honestly just, I needed to get away from work one day and I closed my computer and I had this old typewriter and I was like, I don't want to look at a screen right now. I'm just going to write. And I wrote the whole thing on a typewriter and made copies of it. Cause I thought maybe it could be a cool zine, but it was honestly just for myself and it it sat in my closet for about three months and we were moving and, you know, getting rid of stuff. And I was like, well, I don't want to throw these out. Maybe I'll, I'll take them to the local bookstore and see if I could put some on consignment. And zines don't sell like crazy. So she took five of them and she was like, yeah, I'll call you in a couple months. And, you know, you can either bring more or pick up these if they don't sell. And she called me within a week and she was like, bring 15 more. And then shortly after that, it was like, bring 20 more. So nice. it, yeah, it flew. It was completely unexpected and just like went really well. So like that, that first bookstore that I got started in, they sell about a hundred copies an issue and it got picked up to a national distributor and just shared by like, you know, famous musicians and stuff on Instagram, which was super helpful, but it it was something that I did not plan for. It was just a fluke, but then yeah, once I realized that it was going well, of course I put more energy into it and published some books and things like that.
1: Yeah. Well, you said a few things there that I want to ask you about. So your your writing process, it sounds like, I mean, you just had you had been accumulating some of these some of these notes over over the years or, or months or whatever. And and then mm-hmm. you just kind of sat down one day and, and typed them all out into yep. one one kind of document.
0: Yeah, that's that, exactly right.
1: I love that. I mean, that's so it's so raw, you know. It's 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 and that comes through, I think, in, in the writing. It, it is very it has a, a rawness to it, which I I guess is also authentic. So you've had your work shared by a number of influential people, namely mm-hmm. the ones I know about are Rob Deerdeck, um, Travis Barker, you know, Blink 187 guy, um, Stephen Pressfield, which is author of the The War of Art, um, one sure. of my favorite books. And So you mentioned that it was kind of a fluke and that's a question I had for you. If, if that was pure, pure luck, or if there's something that looking back now that you realize that you did to kind of encourage that or make that a more probable outcome.
0: Sure. Yeah. I mean, so the first zine, I, you know, didn't expect it to sell that well. Once it did, I realized that I had something special. Um, So then like I never expected there to be a second issue. So then once I realized that, Oh, like people are actually interested in this and they want more then I publish more. And, uh, I did a few issues and then I, I I realized the power of social media and like, you know, as people around Brooklyn and New York and stuff were like posting, I realized that, Oh, this is helping the message spread and reach more people. And uh, like all this stuff was new to me. So I was still figuring it out. And, um, realizing that when someone posted a picture of it on Instagram, it really helped. Then I was like, Oh, I should send these out to people. So I, I sent them to people that I'm a fan of. So I found addresses for like Rob Deerdeck and nice. um, Travis Barker and stuff and sent them out, which is like really unusual for them to reply about anything they get in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> but, and, and to go as far as take a picture of it themselves and post it on their personal Instagram. Like that's just huge. So um, it, it was really encouraging and I'm like forever grateful for, to those dudes for, for helping me.
1: Did you get in touch with them after they,
0: after they shared it? I actually ran into Rob Deerdeck on the street in central park. And it's just like one of those crazy New York moments and thanked him and shook his hand. And, and, you know, he was like, "That's so we cool. had a short, yeah, he was, he was in town with his wife at the time and they were, just taking a quiet afternoon, so I didn't want to impose. But I was able to meet him unplanned, which is one of those crazy things that the universe does sometimes. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's really cool for people listening who who don't know Rob Deerick. He he's a he was a professional skateboarder, but I know him as a reality star, a reality TV mm-hmm. star from the, from the Fantasy Factory on MTV. And but that was a really cool person to send to because I mean he's really all about motivation, right, and about positivity, yeah. and so. I mean, you said luck, you know, there's an aspect to that, but also, I mean, you took the action of sending these people your work. It's, it's easy to fall into the trap of thinking, man, things aren't happening for me. Mm-hmm. But then if you really look at the actions you've taken, it, maybe that doesn't line up with the outcomes that you want. <laughs> and sure, so, sure. so, I mean, this is an example of you can't control who shares your work, but you can control who you send it to and you can control- yeah.
0: Just going back, like now these days, I sort of do personal coaching for other writers and and um, musicians and songwriters and stuff. And one thing that's like the number one rule that I teach to get your message out is just to get in front of other people's audiences, um, and that's something that can be applied to basically any any art or craft or industry it's like even even if you have a product to sell and you're you're in the marketing world, I mean, the simple act of getting in front of other people's audiences will will take you a long way as long as you have a good product. And I I think that's one of the reasons why I was able to succeed with songwriting and then start from scratch and, and try and recreate that as an author It's just that's one of the founding things that I I, I believe in is is somebody who's creating art and, and doing something creative.
1: I want to ask mm-hmm.
0: you one more thing about
1: your kind of writing career and that is your your self-published, I think for for all of your books,
0: why did you choose that route? Um a couple things. Like when I first started, I had a couple offers from two different publishers mm-hmm. and I won't I won't name their names cuz ultimately I decided to go down the self-publishing route, but I don't know, like, I, I've, I'm still a very sort of artistic person, so, like, creative control is super important to me. Yeah. And, like, even I realized early on that, and maybe this is something that I learned from the music industry, is, like, I want I want it to be fun, and I want to be passionate about what I'm doing. And, like, just the creative control is, is pretty important. So, like, you know, if someone wants to change my book covers or, like, yeah. market, market my works in a certain way, then it, it sort of takes the steam out of the project for me where I'm not as excited about it. And I realize, like, long term, if I'm going to continue to be excited about this stuff year after year, then I want to be able to control the path I take and, and the direction I go with that stuff. And then also, it's like, it's a pretty interesting time for publishing in general. Like, I mean, obviously, you can reach a ton of people just posting stuff on Amazon yourself um, and doing like publishing on demand and Kindle and stuff like that. So, that's pretty cool. And then I also like the the aspect where I'm in, I'm in contact with the people reading my material. So it's like, literally, if, if they ever have a question or, or need help with anything, they can just email me. Whereas if I went through a traditional publisher, and then it was sold to a distributor, and then yeah. out to stores, like, sometimes you have no idea where your books are, it's hard to promote them. And there's mm-hmm. this major disconnect between you and the people that are reading your stuff. Um, so I, it was kind of a conscious decision. I'm not sure if, like maybe the books would be bigger if they were traditionally published. But I, I really, I, again, as I said, I'm sort of like in it for the long haul, like I plan to to, to write for the rest of my life. So I want to, I want to enjoy every aspect of that and be able to, to control my own destiny.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that's definitely important. And as a creative and an artist, I think the self publishing route, I mean, that that aligns perfectly. So that makes a lot of sense. I want to talk more about your creativity because you are, I mean, you come from a very creative background and, and you can, you can tell that when you pick up one of your works, what are some, I guess, strategies for cultivating your creativity?
0: I think it's different for every person. Um, It depends. For me, I feel like I almost can't turn it off. Like I get very uncomfortable if I'm not able to, to write at least a couple times a week, whether it's, you know. On, on my computer writing a book or like even sitting down with a guitar once in a while. It's like I, I need that. It's almost like therapeutic for me. Um, but then I mean, I know there are a lot of other people, even some of my coaching students are like they want to put out a book or a record, but aren't sure how to how to actually do it. So I think one one of the mo- most important techniques is just as a writer, there's a phrase sit in the chair, which just means like show up every day. Like, yeah, if, if you're trying to write a book, sit in front of your computer with your phone off and like don't don't go on facebook just have an empty word document that even if you sit there for an hour and stare at a blank page on your computer you've done your job for the day so that that's basically it you just have to sit in the chair just show up um and the same thing with songwriting or any other creative thing like you know have a space whether it's your garage or like a corner in your studio apartment or something that's like where you write songs or where you paint or whatever, and just make yourself available to, to show up for an hour every night or something. Um, so I think that that's probably my number one advice for actually getting content created. Um, and then as far as me personally, uh, the way that I do it is when I write books, I will sit down in a dark room usually at, at night all the lights are off and I've just got music blaring in my headphones and I just write and sometimes I'll have a drink or sometimes I'll have some tea or coffee. But yeah, usually it's just, it's just me and some music and and a blank blank page. That's helpful.
1: Yeah. Steven Pressfield talks about that in the war of art, just showing up and Mm -hmm. just showing up every single day, regardless of, Whether or not you feel inspired.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think what you just said is super important, whether or not you're inspired. Like once you learn that, then it's just like you're off to the races. Like if you if you can create works when you're not in the best mood or if you don't feel super motivated, if you learn the art of sitting down and creating stuff when you're when you don't feel inspired um that's when the magic happens and like people think that like the work won't be as good if you're not in a good mood and from from my experience and seeing other people that I work with it's it's just not true like you can create some amazing things even even if you're not in the best mood sometimes when you're judgmental or, or in a critical mood like it can be really therapeutic to to sit down and create and you can do some amazing stuff
1: totally what two or three books have influenced you in the in the creative space the most um, like we just talked about the war of art that's something that has I mean, influenced mm-hmm. me a lot um, sure it's it's very it actually reminds me a little bit of your of your writing in the sense that it's very straightforward very direct but also very powerful and, and digestible are there any other books that you'd recommend for creatives or artists or anybody doing creative work sure um, any, any books you'd recommend
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm in a little bit of a different spot these days where I almost feel like I need to slow down and, and not write as many books. Like I have one done now that I'm just sort of holding off on for a bit. So for me, I'm almost at the point where I'm, I'm more focused on like Branding and marketing and, and how to properly get your art out to a marketplace. Hmm. And I'm, I'm super interested in that right now. So I'm, I'm pretty focused on that. But I mean, so Crush It by Gary Vaynerchuk, that's an yeah. excellent book. No matter what you're trying to do, that's, it's inspirational and it's very like tactical where you can learn different, different stuff. Um, and it's a little dated at this point, but as long as you like, aren't so focused on the uh, platforms he's talking about and the general concepts. They can be applied to anything. Yeah. Um and his audiobooks are great too because he's such a passionate speaker that his <laughs> Yeah, I love his audio books. Yeah. Um so that's one. There's the um hundred dollar startup by Chris. I can never pronounce his last name, but he's a really cool guy. Um but it's called the Hundred Dollar Startup and it's you oh. know it's similar stories of like people just bootstrapping business ideas Um, creative outlets and just like you know making a business out of the thing they're passionate about which is really cool cool um and then lately as i said i've been super into marketing so i've been reading a lot of uh russell brunson stuff and i really love the dot-com secrets books which is uh pretty cool
1: nice i hadn't heard of the hundred dollar startup so i'll have to uh i'll have to check that out oh nice so currently, I want to talk about your your current projects and and kind of what you're working on now. Your mm-hmm. you, you have a mentorship program with songwriters and authors mm-hmm. to help coach them and and kind of guide their careers. Uh, tell I me do. about that work and and how you started doing it and what that experience has been like so far.
0: Sure, yeah. um How I, st- I started about two years ago, and I was just getting. I mean, someone straight up asked me to do it, and I was you know apprehensive and a little bit nervous and like. I tried it and just seeing their results and like what they've been able to accomplish, it was really cool. So then I was, I emailed my email list and it was like, Hey guys, I'm thinking about doing this. Let me know if you're interested. And I got a great response and just, it's at this point, it's even grown more, more from songwriting and authors and and it's become, you know, there's a lot of people that are just look, looking to be creative and build a brand. So I've worked with screenwriters, uh, filmmaker, um, like a personal health coach and, um, you know, uh, people who are into like wellness products like yoga and things like that. So it's, it's branched out a little bit, but like, like I said, a lot of the techniques I teach are sort of like getting in front of people's audiences, building a brand, finding a way to monetize what you're doing so that you can grow even faster. And, you know, as artists, a lot of people are like, not super excited about the money, but I think they realize that as soon as they figure out that part of it, like how to make money doing what they like, then they can sort of go all in and say like, oh, this is like how I support myself now so that they're able to to uh, spend more time on it and get more creative. And like, it, yeah, it's amazing to see what happens once you figure that part out. You can really build a brand and build your following pretty quickly.
1: It's about balancing that creativity and the financial aspect of your work, too. Mm-hmm. Is that is that a lot of what you do with these people?
0: Um, I feel like everyone comes from a different place, but yeah, that's part of my goal for for pretty much everyone. Yeah, everyone sort of has different different like um, things they're trying to achieve, but yeah, I think if you can take the thing you're good at and just you know, build a following and build a brand doing it. It's, it's very rewarding, especially like, I won't take on anyone who has a project that's not interested in, in helping other people. Mm. So like, if they're just trying to like, like start an Amazon business or, or, you know, a car dealership or whatever it may be like, that stuff's cool. Like I respect that, but that's not what I do. I mean, this is, I'm mostly focused on the creative aspect of stuff and uh, the artistic side of things.
1: I like that you started that portion of your work, you know, this mentorship program, really by demand, it sounds like, because mm-hmm. it was people asking you to to do that, right? It's like, g- let me give you my money, kind of a thing. Um, sure. And I think that's an important part of starting anything, right? It's like kind of validating that idea, and it seems like you did that naturally.
0: Yeah. It's from experience, too. I know that it's super helpful, like... Another thing I teach is finding mentors and finding people who have done the thing that you want to do and seeking them out and getting advice from them and learning from them and you know asking them to mentor you and that's something I've always done as well so uh, when I got requests I realized that like oh I can actually probably help like seeing where people are at when they come to me I, I know really quickly what they need to do and I can help them get to where they want to be. And I think I'm, I'm such like an avid reader. That's how I learn. I just read, read, read. Um, but not everybody is like that. A lot of people need that one-on-one attention where they can get guidance and, and get to the next level through the help of somebody who's done it before
1: yeah I, I look at books as as mentors honestly i mean I, i'm yeah I, i'm one of those people who i mean i can read a book and feel like i've talked with that without that, like i've spoken with that person you know mm-hmm. and so they are they're kind of like on the go pocket mentors
0: <laughs> yeah it's amazing i mean i forget who said this quote but it's like for 12.95 you can basically get the wisdom of someone's entire life <laughs>
1: yeah yeah, it's it's amazing. I mean, it's still the best investment, the best educational investment you can make. It's like mm-hmm. it's the mo- it's the cheapest possible medium, but it is still so powerful. So yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, I agree.
1: Who who are some of your mentors that that people might recognize the names of, like people that have kind of influenced
0: your career? Well, Stephen Pressfield in the beginning, I, I had no idea what I was doing. And I emailed him uh, so many times asking for advice. And he, he was the nicest, kindest guy ever Wow. Um, and always responded. And, you know, even he even reviewed that first zine that I sent him and wow. had positive things to say. And he was like, you know, you need to write a novel. So I did that. And like you he just help me along. Um, and I would ask him advice like, oh, you know, Other authors are doing book readings. Should I do that? And, you know, he would give me his his insight there and stuff, which was really cool. Um, And it was was honestly so amazing because that was before I had even published a book. And it was just this handmade, stapled together little thing. And he, you know, responded to my my emails and stuff, which is super nice. And then also this other guy, Josh Milbourne, who's one part of the minimalists which is a super popular blog. And they just had a recent documentary on Netflix, which is really cool. Um, but they've been able to build a massive following as well. And he was, he really helped me and mentored me from the very beginning too. with like, I think when I per- first put out that first scene, I didn't want to put my name on it. Cause again, I didn't know what I was doing. And he was like, Hey, you've got a, you've got to attach your name to this and put your photo on your Twitter account and (laughs) let people know you're a real person. And he had a lot of great advice of like how to actually put myself out there a little bit more.
1: How did you go about getting Steven Press? I mean, how did you go about approaching Steven Pressfield? And the, I mean, this is, this is a a big time author, right? So did you just, was it just a cold email or was there some kind of other strategy that you used?
0: Uh, honestly, I had written my first scene before I had read his book, the war of art. And when I read it, I loved it. And I was like, this is actually similar content to what I, what I've been doing. And I was like, this would be a good guy to know. So I, I forget if I just sent him a zine in the mail or if I found his email address and sent him an email but whatever happened, it was around the same time. So if I emailed him first, I probably just asked for his address and he gave it to me and I sent him a zine. And his response was I, I think he said something like, I loved every page and, and loved it. And which was, yeah, it was super encouraging because, like I said, I, I had never planned to even publish a book. So when I got that sort of feedback, it was like, wow, I should really, really focus on this. I've, I've got something here.
1: Wow. So, so you employed this, a similar strategy as you did with like Rob Dierdick and Travis Barker is he just, you sent him, you sent him a physical copy of mm-hmm. your, your, your work.
0: Yeah. A, along yeah. with a
1: note, I assume.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. Usually I think in the beginning days I would actually hand type a little letter or like a, yeah, I guess a, a note, like a very short note that I, I would hand type on my typewriter. But that's actually, now that you bring that up, I'm thinking like this is another thing that I teach to coaching clients is like, Going against the grain or, like, when everybody else zigs, that's when you zag. Mm. And, like, trying to build an audience online is great. But, like, everybody is trying to DM each other and, like, email and, like, comment on each other's posts. But if you have a differentiator, which is, like, a handmade thing that you send in the mail, like, no one barely gets mail anymore so that for one you've got somebody's attention for two when they see it's like handmade and typed on a typewriter you know that that's like what the hell is this thing so they do take the time to look at it open it up and then if the content's good then you've just connected with somebody but i think that concept of like you know go doing the thing that nobody else is doing is really uh, can be really helpful like yeah i don't know like i've when I published my first poetry book, I actually sent it to like hair salons in Brooklyn because like, of course, everyone's trying to promote to bookstores and, and stuff like that. But my thing was like, oh, if, if this is in the waiting room and somebody reads it and likes it, then I've just connected with somebody. So mm-hmm. I think like finding those creative ways of like going where there's not a lot of, of competition and where you can stand out can be super helpful with like building, building your brand.
1: Yeah, that's really good advice. What's your success rate for sending things in the mail i mean we, we hear about those those successes that you just explained you know with mm-hmm. stephen pressfield and and the others are there a lot who don't respond i mean
0: is, yeah of course yeah i mean I, I would send out i think i don't know it's it, each mailing is different and each sort of thing that i send is different as well but like i've got i would say maybe for like a hundred people that i send stuff to maybe one or two responds Um, but these are like pretty famous people. So they're getting bombarded with, with stuff all the time and requests and stuff. So those are like, you know, top people. I think Russell Brunson has this thing that he always talks about that he learned from someone else called the dream 100. And basically if you're trying to build a following or your brand, you have like a, you just have a list of your top 100 people that like, Oh, if I, if you know, they like my work or like, you know, if we were friends, that would be amazing. So like, my mailing list used to actually be bigger, but now I'm trying to cut it down to about 100 people that are just like, you know, heavy hitters, um, people that, you know, believe the same things as my message and stuff like that. And yeah, I think that's super important, even even to know, regardless of what you're trying to do, I think that helps you sort of focus in on your marketing as well and, and who your who your audience is.
1: Yeah, that's that's really good advice too. The Dream One Hundred, I love that. So you're sending out a lot of stuff. I mean, you you're sending out. I mean, hundreds. It sounds. Like. I've actually,
0: yeah. I mean, in the beginning, I definitely was. These days, I, I typically don't. Um, I guess if I have something I'm super excited about, I might send it to twenty or thirty people. But I've sort of stopped doing that. Just because in the beginning, I felt like that validation was super important so yeah. if like I can have you know Travis Barker said that it's inspiring and motivating, then it's like then I had instant credibility and was like you know people are responding to this, which was helpful to get distribution and get it into new bookstores and things like that. but I've actually done a little bit less of that because I don't I don't know how many quotes from from cool people that I would actually Uh, be helpful. So I don't do as many mailings as I used to, but if you're just starting out, I think that's super important.
1: So you say that success in any creative field can be replicated with the right principles. And I think we've talked about some of those principles here. Um, Mm -hmm. What are, I mean, if you could just kind of outline the most important ones that, that would be awesome, I think.
0: Sure. Okay. So phase one would sort of be like, if you're if you have interest and passion for something but you're not like the best in the world at it yet so the first phase would be sort of like getting that talent built up and that skill level and, and having something to offer the marketplace and uh steve martin once said be so good that they can't ignore you yeah and that that's sort of like phase one so how do you learn to do that for one you create good habits which is like showing up every day working on your art, whether you're excited that day or not, and just committing to it, committing it, committing time and effort and getting that on your schedule so that you are just practicing it. And whether you feel like you're getting better or not, like sometimes the improvements are so small that you might not notice them. Um, but that's, that's the major thing. So you're showing up, you're committed. Um, and then another aspect of that is just to seek guidance. So like seek coaches, like if you're trying to be a singer, hire a vocal coach, um learn from as many people as possible like read books study films like go out to shows D- depending on what what your craft is and what you're trying to accomplish just immerse yourself in it you know so like seek the people who are doing what you want to do and learn as much as possible from them and then once once you have some sort of skill and and talent um you know someone emailed me a couple of years ago and they were like, I want to be a writer. Like what's the best way to do it? And there, she was young. She was like in her, in her teens or something. And I, the advice I gave her was just to use a typewriter and to write and not publish anything for a while. And then, you know, if you're writing every and day, you're not focused on how people are reacting to it. it. There's a lot less pressure there. There's a lot more freedom. So she's not posting on a blog or like tweeting. She's like literally just writing poems on a typewriter. And then eventually I told her, you're going to, you're going to read other people's stuff that's published and you're going to realize that the things you're writing are as good as or better than what's being published. And that's the time to sort of jump at it and put yourself out there. And that would bring you to sort of like phase two of like the marketing point of it and focusing in, in on your audience and things like that. So like one principle that I think we talked about already was getting yourself in front of other people's audiences. And that's, that can be applied to any art form or marketing in in the world. And that's, that's how it's done. So like, you just have to know how to um, work with other people and like, just reach, reach more people through collaborations and, and advertisements, even, and content, putting content out in the world. That's, that's super important. Um, And then another huge part of that is knowing who your audience is. I think I forget. There's a podcaster, John Lee Dumas, I think his name is, and he is a big believer in like uh, an avatar for your, your customer or your audience. And he goes as far as to narrowing down, like giving basically an avatar is like an imaginary person, but someone that you're who would be in your audience. So like you would give your avatar a name and age, an occupation, what they do, what they're interested in, why they listen to your podcast or read your book or listen to your band. And everything you do is based on your avatar. So it's like, you know, if you're, if your avatar is Emily and she's 29 years old and she's not happy at her job, it's like, well, would Emily like this article I'm about to write? You know, like, would Emily think this book cover is cool? And like that way you've got extreme focus on where you're headed and who your audience is. And it it makes it much more easier to communicate when, when you know exactly who you're trying to reach. So, yeah, I guess those would be some major principles to actually get started and, and kick things off with, with building a brand and an audience.
1: Hmm, that's really helpful. The uh, avatar is super helpful. That's something that... We incorporated into Think, Grow, Prosper probably nice. about a year ago. And we learned it from um, Marie Forleo and taking her, her business course, uh, B-School. And Oh, cool. Man, that's, I mean, just to kind of define a prototype or an archetype of your customer mm-hmm. is so helpful because then you can talk to a specific person as opposed to talking to some abstract idea of who you think your customer is. So, I think that's really good advice.
0: Exactly. Yeah
1: is there um some kind of overarching philosophy or or mindset that kind of guides your life
0: i mean again i started off like in the music industry and in punk rock bands and stuff and like that whole vibe and like a big part of that philosophy was sort of ingrained in me in an early age and that is like just the do-it-yourself attitude of like you know you don't wait you know just put yourself out there. And if you're passionate about something like you can make stuff happen. Um, And that's always been a big part of like what I believe and how I make decisions and stuff like that. And as I get older, I believe there's, there's definitely still a place for that in my life. But at at this age, I'm sort of like looking to do more partnerships and work with other people and build teams and, and companies and stuff like that. But that's um, the whole DIY ethic is, is a major part of who I am.
1: I love it. I know we're getting close here on the end of time, and I just want to give you a chance to talk about anything else you're excited about, anything you're working on, and kind of leave leave the people listening with places to reach you on social and otherwise.
0: Sure, yeah. Um I mean, I've always got a variety of projects going on. I'm, I'm writing another book right now. I will always continue to publish the Brooklyn Tomorrow Zine, which um, I'm super excited about. So I that's probably the best place to, to reach me is just to go to my website, marcusalmond.com. It's M-A-R-K-U-S, almond.com. And there's a there's a little tab there for Brooklyn Tomorrow Zine. So if you want to pick one of those up, that would be super cool. Um, but yeah, working on some books. I think that's it. I mean, personal coaching is sort of like closed right now, but i will probably open it up again this summer or fall. And yeah, I think that's it, man. Just plugging along and and doing that stuff. I've got got some non-creative projects as well, like um, real estate and things like that. But as far as books and creative outlet stuff, it's mainly the zines and a, a new poetry book coming up soon.
1: Very cool. Marcus, thank you so much for for sharing your insights on creativity. Appreciate you being thank here. Thank you, Ruben.
0: I appreciate you having me. Thanks so much.
1: Of course, we'll talk soon. Hey, thanks for listening to the Think Grow Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and find value in this podcast, I humbly ask you to please subscribe and or leave me a review on iTunes. Or you can just share it with a friend who you think might find value in it. If you've already done any of these, I want to take a moment to sincerely thank you. I truly, truly appreciate your support. Lastly, if you have any suggestions for future guests or topics you'd like to hear covered, you can email podcast at thinkgrowprosper.org.